listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR. You're listening to the Breakfasters podcast for the week May 8 to May 12. This week we had a bit of a discussion about the joys of those team building exercises that you do. Catch me, I'm falling. Uh, and, and also we got um, Briggs in the studio to have a chat about the Yuen Boy Festival. And then we talked about awkward social conventions, of which there were many and they were very awkward. And we chatted with Chad Parkill, who's the Guardian's drinks writer, about cocktails. He gave us a few recipes. Three triple R. Because before I get on to what we're going to talk about, which is <laughs> your favourite team building activities and why they're the worst and whatnot, um, sometimes um, Kath borrows my computer for, you know, just to use. Stuff. Sure. And she's left a website open, which I think you might enjoy because I think she's getting into beekeeping. <laughs> awesome. Oh, this is so oh. good. What, is it, what does it say? It's, it's, she left a page open on eBay. <laughs> Just saying, with um, a 10-frame full-depth extra-level kit <laughs> with 10 by frames for beehives. <laughs> oh, my God. I so hope you start yeah. keeping bees. <laughs> There's all the talk breaks for the rest oh of the God. year. So <laughs> this has not been discussed with me. <laughs> I am unaware. Maybe it's a surprise. When you come home, the house will be full of bees. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> she can just put it in the car yeah. and drive it down the freeway. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I did want to um, talk about um, team building exercises because, um, geez, they can be the worst and also... I think they are always the worst. Yeah, you're I right. don't know that there's ever a good team building exercise, full I'm stop. Trying to, maybe... I feel like the worse the job is, the more likely you are to be sent off to do team building like, Have you had to go through any? Yeah, see, the only time I've really done it was when I had a shitty job doing um, telemarketing. Uh, you know, mm. like, and it was like, of course nobody, because <laughs> everyone hated the job. Yeah. You know, it's not like something you say, oh, yeah, I can't wait to start my career in ringing up people and asking them stupid surveys about, you know, <laughs> their experiences with banks. But, but all maybe I could, it's a way to get you, for them, it's a way to get you through that boring, mundane job of like yeah, add a bit of spice to your life let's all go in the rec room and I tell each remember, other two lives and one truth i remember we had to do that one, the other way that trust game you know where you, well, you fall back you fall back and i remember someone did it and nobody caught them really He's, were you in <laughs> that group it wasn't me but it was i remember what distinctly watching someone and they just they fell back too early and that oh. person wasn't ready no one was ready and so they just crashed onto the ground and i thought that just sums up this whole place oh well i think if you Maybe if you um, put some booze into the equation. That's always risky too because yeah. everything gets a bit too honest. Yeah. But if you're if a team building exercise is going to the pub, then cool. We used to have, <laughs> in one of my um, previous jobs, we used to have end of year Christmas parties and they were kind of, they kind of were meant to be team building. So they, mm. the, the parties always involved some activity, whether it was like a scavenger hunt or uh. a theme. One year we had a theme where they hired a bus and it was called the Ibiza bus and everyone had to dress like they were going to Ibiza. Oh, and yep. uh, that really suited me very well. <laughs> so I bought like an old 70s caftan and just put a scarf around my head and said that I'm, uh. I went to Ibiza from the 70s because I didn't want to wear 
bikinis or whatever. Yeah. And this bus drove around kind of Sydney making various stops at bars and absinthe bars and playing Ibiza music and everyone just got really drunk on this bus. It was it was meant to be team building and we ended up because the company that I worked for um owned a number of websites. So there was a game lesbian web- website yeah. and there was a, you know, uh, like a dance music website and a kind of indie rock music website. So you had to kind of cater to all these various different employees and bring them together. So this was, this Ibiza bus was trying to kind of bring together all our loves uh, for booze and it ended up at a great gay nightclub in Sydney and we all kind of went into this nightclub all dressed up in our Ibiza clothes and I just remember we were all dancing on podiums and this gorgeous gay man came up to me and said, Darling, he had this great accent. He goes, darling, you are so brave. I love your outfit. You are so brave. And I thought, oh, my God, he thinks I'm wearing a caftan. And this, see, like he, he thought that was my wonderful outfit for the night. Yeah. Was this, brave is, yeah. it, is never a no. word you want to hear describe your wardrobe choices. I thought that. I thought that. But that was our kind of team building. It was, you know, it yeah. was like go and get drunk together and then have embarrassing photos of you dancing on podiums. Man, if you've got some horrendous stories, you can um, text us in or call us. Uh, the text line is 0466981027. Don't forget that is pinned on Facebook and Twitter. Here's How about this one? Yeah. I heard about in um, in Japan someone did um, Japanese baths. Oh, you have to be naked in front of your... Exactly. But if everybody's naked, then you're all equal and you can talk about anything. I hope this isn't leading to some (laughs) suggestion that we do one of these things. But when you're naked... Everybody up. Everybody up. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. Because I'm but not getting naked. in a Japanese bath with you guys. I'm really not. Uh, it's men's and women's. They're separate. Yeah. Right. So you'd be by yourself. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, that's right. I'll do that then. Yeah. I'll go with you, Jezza. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, you wouldn't Just know. don't look. Just don't look. Yeah. I couldn't even. Just look me in the eyes <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> don't look. I'm Eyes up here. Here. Eyes up. I just feel like that defeats the purpose of it. <laughs> I do remember. So what? <laughs> to what defeats the purpose of well, no, not I'll, being able to look? No, that's the whole <laughs> point of you getting you naked. Is it supposed to break down all your barriers? No, I don't know that. No, no, <laughs> no. Well, anyway, it's not going to happen. We're not going to do that. No, no I don't get naked so you can just have a look. <laughs> no, it's just perving. That's not breaking down barriers. <laughs> I'm really disgusted. <laughs> I think we need to do a team, team building exercise. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to do any of those things. All right, mate. All right. It's all right. <laughs> Maybe you can think of a team building exercise as a little bit more pro- appropriate for us. Thank you. <laughs> yes, and a bit of uh, text message action from that last chat we had about... Uh, team building. Team building. I work for a local electrical company and each year for team building, we go camping and take drugs. <laughs> yep. Just tell, just tell all your truths, <laughs> yeah. let it all out, hug it out. That'll work. Uh, I was. Uh, I remember that we also once at the end of the year for our team building slash Christmas party, I had, all had to do uh, life drawing classes together. So men and women sitting in a circle with very, very naked people in front of us, having not really ever done much art stuff before. Yeah. It was so uncomfortable. Who thinks of these things? I don't know. 50% of the people took it really seriously. So they were like, okay, I'm going to show off my artistic skills. And mm. the rest of the people just drew like stick men <laughs> and stick women because it was too embarrassing to draw. I did that. Uh, I went to a, a birthday party once where we did that. Like life, life drawing. drawing. Yeah, yeah. Right. But that's completely different because you're with mates. You're with friends. Like you don't yeah. want to sit next yeah. to your boss and have a, things in front of you and... 
You Things. know? Yeah, well, I can't say the words. It's all Breasts. right. Okay. <laughs> We'll save it for the for the bathhouse. <laughs> you just Look I feel me like, in the eyes. <laughs> I feel like everyone at Triple R will be listening to this segment saying, Yes, get the breakfast to do some team building. <laughs> what a great idea. <laughs> um, I was remembering too that um, the time that I did it, we all had to sit around and give each other compliments and that yeah, it's the, our affirmation circle. We do that all the time. Yeah, we affirm each other's yeah. excellence. Yeah, back then we just used it as a way of backhandedly insulting each other. Oh. Yeah. Like, Jeff, I like it when your coffees are too hot. I actually do. That's not yeah. a backhanded compliment. It's I genuinely do like it. coffee you're getting. Oh. Yeah. Jeff, okay. I like actually, it when you um, thank everyone that we've had on the show. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I'm I like it when you prompt Jeff to do his job. <laughs> Triple R, not for everyone, for anyone. You're listening to Triple R. This is Breakfasters with Sarah, Jeff and Geraldine. I want to talk about social norms and the ones that we don't like, things that are just generally accepted in our society that you know, it's normal, it's fine, just do it, that we don't like. Here's one, um, from one that I had from a young age and that was having to wear a dress having to wear a school dress, having yes. that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. They didn't let you wear shorts? I ended up wearing shorts anyway. Yeah. I wore my PE uniform every day. Did you? Yeah. And because my – this is in primary school because I um, didn't – I didn't have to wear – we were supposed to wear a netball skirt and I went, nah, and somehow I got away with wearing a pair of um, Terry Towling shorts. Oh. They were really cool. Maybe they thought they were a special Terry Towling skirt. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, I got to wear them every day. Because there was once where I was wearing my um, school dress where I was playing in the backyard and the ball had gone over the fence and I climbed over to get it. I was perched on top of the fence and then when I jumped to get down, back of the dress got caught on the fence. And I just left hanging there. I actually never thought until now about how awkward it was that I had to wear a dress in primary school, given that mm. you were playing the same as all the boys and stuff, like playing footy or whatever we were doing. Yeah. And, yeah, that is so draining. There was one girl who used to wear pants. I don't know how, why she was allowed to wear pants, but everyone else had to wear probably dresses. Probably me. Yeah, probably was. <laughs> I feel like our listeners probably have a lot to contribute to this discussion of social norms that should be abolished. So maybe hit us up on the text line. Oh four double six nine eight one zero two seven. But I have strong feelings about... Yes, Jeff. This is, I thought this would be your talk yeah, break. Yeah, so this where do we your start? Your time well, to shine. Um, kissing people. Yes. That needs to be abolished. For, like for everybody? With your girlfriend? <laughs> yeah. Kissing a girlfriend? No, I mean when you meet people, you know, that, that greeting kiss. Oh, yeah. Well, you just got to be careful when you meet I people. I always feel yeah. that it's, it's very hard for that not to be awkward. It's fine yeah. if you know the person well and they, you know that they're a, you can kiss them on the cheek and yeah. it's fine. It's, a, it's annoying when you go in to kiss someone and they've gone in for the hug and you kind of end up brushing your ear with your mouth, yeah. their ear with your mouth. Particularly in Australia, maybe in Europe where everyone does it and you kind of know what the expectation is. In Australia, I feel like we sort of do it and we sort of don't do it and you don't really know in advance. It's, yeah. For me personally, it was a very, it's a very 
girl thing. Like we all, you know, as a young mm. girl and as a young teenager, there was a stage where you went from just saying hi to your friends to when you arrive somewhere, you'd give them all a kiss. And you know what else needs to Maybe stop? Maybe boys don't go through that as much. No, but also, so it needs to stop from a, a young age when, you know, when you have, you know, the young children go, give your nana a kiss goodbye. Yeah. No. You don't want to do that, do you? No, no. they don't. No. Just give, yeah, you, that needs to. It maybe, smells weird. Do you want to give Nana a kiss? Okay, high five's fine. I get, I don't like, I know it's not really social norm, but you know when you have silence between two people and there there is some expectation that you should feel that silence. Yes. I always just am happy to stand there in silence. Yep. I like silence. I talk a lot. I just like the silence. It's job. And I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just want to stand there silently and I don't feel like we should have to fill it with some weird small talk. Totally yeah, agree. Small talk is the worst. Yeah. And you always end up just, well, I always end up just babbling because I feel I need to say something and I get halfway through and I have no idea why I'm saying this or what it's about. Yeah. I do. You know what I do? I reveal too much about myself. Oh, yeah. overshare. Yeah, I, so I met actually Annalisa who works Triple R's mum one night when she was going to see Annalisa play and within half an hour me and her were talking about extremely personal things and and I was like, I have a problem. When I at first meet someone, if I don't have a, a natural train of conversation, I just, go, I just go deep. I just go really deep straight uh, away. So I start uh, talking about but is it my whole life and their life. And Do you do it with like people that are really good at listening though? Maybe Annalise's mum is a really good listener and you just... I was asking her lots of questions about her life. It was more <laughs> <Right>. that... <laughs> <laughs> Poor Annalise's mum. Just, just hearing his social... Yeah, I don't know. Talking like deep secrets. I got really personal. So it's not so much... Yeah, yeah. She probably thought you were a cop or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of our listeners agrees, abolish the kiss. Abolish the kiss. No, I, well, oh. oh, yeah, yeah. Not all kisses, though. I'm a big fan of kissing, but only on people that I love. Yeah. And oh. always, or, or just, yeah, there's a certain... No, if you want to. ...friend yeah. that I have changes their mind every time I go to hug or kiss them. Like, sometimes I, just go, I go in for the kiss and they change their mind and they go in for the hug. You know how yeah. you've got to have that, you know... Yeah, one or the other. Yeah, you're, you're either a hugger or you're a kisser. I don't want to be kissing your ear or the, kissing cor- the ear or the corner of your lip. Oh. None of that. No. Or your you neck. Know, Get out. You know what else I don't like? I don't like handshakes much either. Don't, yeah. You just don't like touching in general. No, don't. You why like your personal space. Why, why don't you like handshakes? It's just a weird thing. And also it, it's kind of a male thing as well. And particularly if it's a business meeting, there's always this weird dynamic to it as to whether how, how hearty people's handshake is and who's at the top and who's at the bottom. It's weird. The whole thing is weird. Really? Because I feel, find that's not something I experience in my life. No, where I'm you wouldn't. Analyzing. It's a male thing. It's two yeah. men, like, you know, you go to a job interview or whatever and it's all this thing, you, you can't have a wet fish handshake, you've got to have, like, a manly... I do judge people if they have me a weird floppy hand when they yeah. handshake their hand. It's kind of weird. There is something weird, like, just make yeah, your just hand a little bit... Hand out there. Just no put your hand... Yeah. Let's make your hand a little bit harder. Yeah. Like, I think you just give, just give them a wave. That's all you need to do. <laughs> or what about a shoulder punch? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you turn up for a job interview. The, the friendly, fist, friendly punch in the How shoulder. How you going, mate? <laughs> fist bump. That's all, is that touching all right? Just a little... little. No, I don't no. think Australians should do that. No. If, if I think you're sick, I don't like to uh, to come into your facial space. So that's when I'll do a fist bump. So I'll say to mates, see you later, and I'll give them a fist bump because I, I suspect that they might be a bit sick and I don't want to... Yeah, that's you know? okay. Yeah. Let's go back to the dresses. <laughs> I feel like this is a deep issue. Do you want me to go deep with you right now? Start yeah, asking on. some questions. Go on then. So, at what age did you decide that you didn't ha- you didn't want to wear a dress to school? Um, probably the day that I f- jumped off the fence. <laughs> that yeah. was the finding moment, and the, and the dress got caught. And then, but years later, I was wearing uh, a netball skirt, and I was doing the speed skating at 
at roller skating. Do you wear bloomers? Yeah, yeah, always. But I think we call them something else, and now I can't remember. Bundies, maybe. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god, you didn't call them bundies. <laughs> not a word. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to this call. Oh, there's some. They might not be calling about this, but let's well, find we'll out. Find anyway. out. All right. Hi, you're on Triple R. Hello. Hi. You're talking about the uh, the awkward moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you have? Um, one, you know, I was listening to him saying how he didn't like handshakes. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> You're on air right oh, now. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I didn't realise I was on air. Oh, yeah, sorry. We should have told you that. Well- <laughs> I was on Wellington and my friend introduced me to a person who I would, you know, the gesture to shake their hand. And I thought, no, I'll just stand there and do a little bit of a wave like you do. And then I realised it was um, Jermaine from the Fly the Concords. Oh. And I just, he was my, like, my hero at the time. He just watched everything. And I just leapt in and grabbed hold of him, just shook and just looked at <laughs> How long can I do this for? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is amazing. How did he respond? I wanted to get, how did he respond? He was fine. He didn't have his glasses on, so he sort of looked different, you know. <laughs> so I was a bit slow off the mark, but I was—I wish I'd known earlier. I would have—I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god, that is so good. <laughs> thank, thank you so okay. much for sharing that story, <laughs> Jeff. Who is the who was the person that you would go from a hand, a hand wave to a handshake, an extended with. handshake with? Oh, that is a good question, isn't it? Although there are, I, I feel like the guys from the Flight of the Concords would be good people to shake hands with. I feel like, <laughs> oh, I would like to shake hands with both of them. Okay. Yeah. If they wanted in, I'd shake their or, hands. When, do you, when you do shake hands, yeah. how, what, what do you choose to do? Given that you're always thinking about whether they're going to do it hard or soft fish weird handshake, how do you Go do it? Go hard. Really? You have to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and just one hand too. Never, never put the other hand on. Yeah, that's what is, weird. What the hell is yeah. the second hand? <laughs> that, 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 that's like you're declaring like it's the, not a social meeting, but your bosom buddies. Yeah, <laughs> or like it's the priest and the. That's so weird, isn't it? Yeah. Go back to your dresses. Oh, dresses. Yeah. yeah. Netball skirt. We're doing speed skating. Yeah, bloomers. Yeah. Or bundies. Yeah, bundies. I can't. Yeah, I have to get back to you on that. Whether I might have just made that up then. <laughs> Um, and then, but trying to, trying to do, and then, but the skirt kept, kept on getting caught between my legs, stacked it so many times. Oh. So annoyed. How long was the skirt? No, just a normal netball skirt. But you know how it kind of oh, would it does get? that folding wraparound thing? Yeah. Ruined. I, mm. That was my time to shine every time we went roller skating. So like I was good. I was good at the speed skating. Oh. And I'd learned how, just learned how to do those skids. Oh my God. Could you do those? Yeah. Could do the skids. And then I, but I was skidding, and I stacked it. I had to get off. Some of our listeners on the text line have got some strong thoughts. <laughs> oh, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a call to abolish the high five. Oh, I don't know how you guys feel about oh. that? So it's two USA sports jock. Ah, oh, I quite like, yeah, the, I high like the high five, but it's yeah. more of an exiting thing. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, high five everyone as you go, and it's good for it's good for kids. And uh, someone else wants to abolish handshaking as the man's greeting. Yes, I agree with that. I'm a guy and I kiss my mates on the cheek because I love them and I'm not a homophobe. Aww, oh, that's yeah. nice. Oh, that's it. That's a really Kissing's good way of looking good at it. Kissing's good for people that you love. Uh, we've got a couple more calls. We'll take one more because then... Uh... Oh, scrungies. Thank you. Thank scrungies. you. Thank you. Thank you. That's the, someone's just sent, sent a not text bungies. and saying scrungies, not scrungies. bloomers. Hey, you're in That's what I call them. 
Hello. 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 Have you got an awkward social interaction that you would like to do away with? Or social norm? I just norm? to tell you about the handshake thing. It's a bit... The, the second hand going on the other hand. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's a dominant thing. Ah. Oh. So that's like if I'm shaking your hand, I'm going to put my hand on top of you and you know that I'm the dominant one. Yeah, and if they put their hand on top of yours, you put your hand on their arm. But if they put their hand on your arm, you put their, your hand on their shoulder. Oh, mate, that's so, that is just so stressful. <laughs> Could go on all day, couldn't it? <laughs> what about... If you're friends, well, you can tap them on the top of the head. <laughs> I feel like it would just culminate you wrestling on the ground. Oh, oh thanks, mate. Thanks for that. Oh, sorry, I just cut him off there, no worries. That, yeah. was, that was great. I didn't think about that. No, you just feel, keep going further up the body. I feel <laughs> like after this we should have no social interactions with anyone at all. Free Triple R. Our next guest has one of the best jobs going. He's a drinks writer for The Guardian. That's Chad Parkhill. He's joining us here on Breakfasters to talk about cocktails. Welcome to Triple R, Chad. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> My sense is, and tell me if this is wrong, that we're in the middle of something of a cocktail revival here in Australia. Is that a real thing or is that just a perception? Uh, I'd say it's absolutely true. We are in the midst of a renaissance in cocktails, not just in Australia, but globally. But particularly here in Australia, we've seen a pretty radical shift in the way cocktails have been made and consumed over the last decade or so uh, from something that was seen as a relatively... I don't know. There were, there were. I think cocktails were perceived as kind of garish. Yeah, garish um, for special occasions. Um, perhaps a bit naff to something that people are drinking more regularly. Certainly, and uh, I'd say um, consumers are much more sophisticated about. And the the level of craft behind the bar um, has. Increased dramatically. Has, do you reckon this is a direct correlation with like the rise of the foodie? Like it just, it's you know, you see um, people are much more into food and stuff, and it seems normal that it'd cross over to cocktails. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely part of it, um, and certainly you see, for example, um, movements in the food world often translate straight over to the drinks world, not very long after so I'm, I'm thinking of a bar called Bulletin Place in Sydney which really in Australia at least pioneered the concept of really seasonal um, drinking so it's kind of analogous to the the way that uh, restaurants have sort of shifted to be more seasonal so Bulletin Place will change their menu daily depending on what kind of produce is fresh um, and available. And available, yeah. absolutely. So with the rise of, say, the foodie thing, there's been lots of people who consider themselves, you know, chefs at home. Has there been a rise of amateur cocktail makers? And is this a good thing or a bad thing? Is there, do you ever watch people at home and think, you should leave it to the professionals? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, al I'm, I'm always uh, very supportive of people uh, getting out there and uh, <laughs> trying to, you know, learning a bit about how to make cocktails because they're... Fundamentally, um, with the exception of a couple of more recondite drinks, most cocktails are very easy to make. Yes. Um, See, I'm 
I put myself as an amateur cocktail maker. Ah. I've worked many years, worked in hospitality, and I had the benefit of working in very quiet bars that had lots of alcohol, and I would turn around and I would think, well, let's just do a what can Jezza make today and <laughs> invent my own cocktails. Like flaming you, Homer. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you do that often as well? Just kind of look around and go, oh, I wonder what, what that, if that will go with that. Or is it more do you go, do you already know what goes with what? So I I think for when it comes to cocktail invention, really the best way to go about it is to use an existing recipe as a template. So most most of the cocktails that you'll encounter out there in the wild uh, come from a family of drinks. So there'll be a sour or a daisy. What's a daisy? uh, A daisy is a sour that's been sweetened with a liqueur of some kind. Hello, daisy. Sometimes... Sometimes has a splash of soda water in there as well, but the most famous daisy um, is, in fact, the margarita, which is <gasps> yeah, yeah. which is a tequila daisy um, without the soda water. Um, and the word margarita is Spanish for daisy. So is huh. it? Ah, yeah. All the facts are coming out. <laughs> what do you think uh, helps make a particular cocktail popular? So I know uh, when Sex and the City was on TV, everyone was drinking martinis. Uh, Cosmopolitan's. Co- oh, no, Cosmopolitan's, sorry. Yeah, 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 that's what I meant to say. Uh, Cosmopolitan's, I was 12, so yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> however, and at the moment, espresso martinis are everywhere in Melbourne. And I remember them kind of being, I don't want to say bogan, but like when I was younger, no one ordered espresso martinis and now they're suddenly... What's hot? Why? I think there's there's often quite a few different um, factors that go into it. So certainly pop cultural success um, in terms of having your product shown on a TV show. So the Cosmopolitan, Sex and City is a great example. Um, With the espresso martini, I think that's been more of a kind of slow build of a cocktail. Um, Certainly... There's a very practical reason why they're very popular, which is that, um, you know, uh, they aren't terribly expensive to put together. So bars can make pretty good margins on them. Um, And, yeah, they're... Are they uh, relatively easy to make as well? Well, if you've you've got good espresso, that's that's, (laughs) that's, that's probably the hardest part is you need to have an espresso machine and make the espresso and make sure your espresso is up to standard. But the rest is... Because what's in it? Is it just a a shot of espresso, vodka? Yeah, a little bit of... uh, Traditionally, you'd use a little bit of coffee liqueur in there as well and a splash of simple syrup and Mm. give it a hard shake and there you have it. Chad, you're putting some of your knowledge down on paper in a book that's coming out soon about cocktail drinking, um, travelling around the world, various cocktails associated with different places. What cocktails do you associate with Australia? Well, uh, the one of the entries um, from Melbourne is, in fact, the Japanese slipper cocktail, which uh, you might recall from the dim, dark days of the 1980s. Yes. Yeah. Um, What's in that? So that is a mixture of lemon juice, Midori and Cointreau. Oh, uh, Midori. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it any relation to the Midori shaker? 
No, okay, that's no. all right. That was a nineties thing. <laughs> <laughs> I the the whole Midori cocktail thing is pretty. It's pretty fascinating in terms of. Uh, I guess it's it's almost a sign of how far the cocktail culture has come. That. Uh, that was what a lot of people were drinking, you know, Midori shakers, Midori illusions, yes. um, the Japanese slipper. But the Japanese slipper was, in fact, invented in Melbourne. Um, so that's that's one of our gifts to uh, global <laughs> cocktail culture. What's one of the most uh, fascinating ones you discovered from a country that you maybe wouldn't expect to have a cocktail associated with it? Oh, look, there's so many, so many really interesting... Um, cocktails from around the world uh so burma has its own or myanmar ah. um has its own contribution cocktail culture which i found pretty fascinating uh the the pegu club uh, which is a gin sour with a little bit of it's got lime juice a uh, little bit of curacao or orange liqueur um and some bitters uh and you find what you find is that a lot of countries around the world with a kind of colonial presence will have some sort of cocktail based around, you know, a club or a venue there. Um, and so you get a lot of a lot of these different drinks from around the world that uh, are tied in with global history in really interesting ways, um, not necessarily always very pleasant ways, but... Mm. Yeah. Uh, cocktails can seem... Intimidating and also spirits are often massively expensive. People want to start putting together a cocktail cabinet. What's the sort of base spirits that you need to have and can you do it on a budget? I think you absolutely can Um, and probably more important than the base spirits themselves is having a little library of uh, what we in the bartending business call modifiers which are the things that you add in those little like splashes or dashes to your cocktails that sort of transform that base spirit into something you know, more delicious, essentially. So things like bitters and um, various liqueurs, vermouth, sherry, those kind of things are really important. Obviously, you you need your base spirits, but um, I kind of... One of the things that you'll often see is people say, oh, if you want to start a home cocktail bar, you need to get, like, a bottle of vodka and a bottle of rum and a bottle of gin and a bottle of tequila... Um, and I really, I always really hate that advice. I see that. I go, it just it makes me um, unfathomably mad because, <laughs> <laughs> because the truth, like, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like, um, say, tequila. Um, I mean, know. that's very good if you really want to make Long Island iced tea. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Or rocket fuel. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, if, if, if you, or if the only cocktail you want to make at home is a Manhattan, then, you know, you absolutely don't need to have a liquor cabinet full of, you know, different types of vodka or whatever. You just need a really good uh, rye whiskey or a bourbon whiskey, depending on your preference, and some good sweet vermouth and some bitters. If you got stuck on a desert island and could only have one <laughs> cocktail for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Oh, that's so hard. That's okay, so I'm sorry. hard. But um, <laughs> I, I think I think it would probably be a bamboo cocktail, <gasps> which is just um, it's just the most elegant and delightful little aperitif cocktail, and it's not too boozy either. So you What's can in it? you can have a few. So that's um, a mixture of equal parts of 
dry sherry and dry vermouth with a touch of bitters and a bar spoonful of uh, simple syrup, which is just equal parts sugar and water. So it's it's go. quite dry, um, but it's it's really elegant, um, super simple to make. Uh, yeah, and utterly delicious. I feel we could do this all morning. Yes. <laughs> Time is running away for us. We've been talking to Chad Parkle. He's the drinks writer for The Guardian. We've been talking cocktails with him. Thanks so much for coming in, Chad. Not a problem. Hey, um, Chad, how much do you like the movie Cocktails? <laughs> it's a classic. Is it a classic? So I really want this to... Hang on. Is it playing? Oh, it's not playing. I'm oh, trying mate, this so is the badly. Worst. Oh, no, that's so depressing. You ruined it. There it is. Hey, hello. <laughs> oh, no, it just keeps cutting out. Oh, that's all right. All right. I, think it's, I think there's something happening to the desk. I was really trying to play Kokomo and it's just not working. So I think gonna... there's probably some people out there that are very happy that that's I'm not happening. Like, no, I want to pay him out. Here's something else for you. You're in Chipolar. Three. Triple. Ah. So this Saturday from 10am to dusk, Yurumboy First Nations Arts Festival is presenting Barangyanabal, described as a city-wide blackout, a day-long Indigenous arts and music treasure hunt featuring a galaxy of stars, including Bart Willoughby, the Bad Apples Music Travelling Showcase, Lee Morgan and many more, including our next guest, Briggs musician, actor and activist. He's now joining us in the Breakfasters studio. Welcome to Triple R. Good morning. Good day. Act office. <laughs> <laughs> need, to, need to combine those two just into one. Yeah. It's still early. Can you give us a sense of what's happening tomorrow? What's your part in this Year and Boy Festival tomorrow? Well, well, Saturday, me, rather. Yeah, well, me and the um, the rest of the, the Bad Apples crew, which is Philly, Nookie and Birds and, and Trials, um, will be performing at different little spots around the city throughout the day. Just like like gorilla gigs a in the back up. of a truck. Oh, ah. sick. You know, just like... Just little, you know, little things, little special things, special little shows. Oh. And so there's a, an app you can download which tells you where everything is going to be? Is that, is that how it works? That sounds like some information you'd be privy to. <laughs> <laughs> is it all just music stuff or will you be doing performance? Will I? Yeah. Yeah, just music stuff, just rapping. Excellent. and Like, I'll perform as much as I normally do, <laughs> if you can call it that. But, you know, the, the other boys are younger than I am, so... You know, they're a lot more into it. You know what I mean? Like they'll be ready. <laughs> I, you know, I'm I'm the old guy. I'm kicking it off. I'm starting at 11 a.m. at Flagstaff Gardens, and um, you know, from it goes downhill from there. No, not really. It's, it's going to be a great day. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, I've wrapped up one. Oh, I have to go somewhere else? No, nah, I want to go home. Yeah, no, nah, <laughs> you know, I just get get it done out of the way in the morning, just a quick brunch, you know what I mean, on the way back and, you know, go to bed. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I've got to, you know, I'm... I'm a busy man these days, apparently. You are busy. It's bananas. You're doing, um, you know, obviously you've had great success with your album and your you last, you've just released a single and you, all the music stuff is cracking along, but also you're smashing it in the comedy world as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm coming for all the crowns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a little message, a little warning for everyone out there. I'm coming for everything, any facet of entertainment that you think you have a hold on. I'm coming for it. <laughs> Interpretive dance, you're next. <laughs> 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 and 
it's um, um it, it's good fun. It's, it gives me an outlet. You know what I mean? Yeah, like when you're writing, because you do a bit of writing, like a sketch and things like that. Yeah. When you do, you approach it differently to when you're writing your music. Um, not a whole lot. The, the difference with like writing sketch and scripts, whatever, whatever, is like you're not um, bound by timing in the sense of you've got x amount of bars but there's still rhythm and beats to hit mm. you know what i mean so as much as they're different there's so many similarities as well with with rhythm because that's what comedy is rhythm and timing yeah so yeah, yeah it, it all lends itself to each other and lucky you know what i mean i could just be ha- kind of good at both of them and you know yeah. i look like a big shot <laughs> <laughs> um the name briggs pops up again and again through indigenous History. I wonder if you could tell something about the Briggs family. Are you related to Geraldine Briggs, who helped establish the Australian Aborigines League? Is that part of the same Briggs family? Yeah, that's my auntie. That's my my um, grandfather's cousin. Yep, <laughs> we're a big family. Yeah, <laughs> As, you know Tony Briggs, writer, actor, director. He's doing a play at the moment. That's my cousin as well. Um, there's so many. We're everywhere. Be careful. <laughs> you never know who you're talking to. <laughs> and that Shepparton, where you grew up, there's a big Indigenous population there, but the picture you paint on Shep Life about Shepparton is quite bleak. What was the reaction to that album in Shepparton? Oh, they loved it. Well, like the people who were meant to love it loved it, and the people who were always going to, you know, rub them the wrong way was always... You know, it's always going to, you know exactly what's going to happen and people are going to get their nose out of the door. It's not like that. It's like, well, maybe not for you. Everyone's experience is going to be different. Um, but my experience in Shepparton is the same as so many other people of my peers who understand as well. Like, they might not have had my experience, but they, you know, can empathise with it for sure. But, you know... It was just a reflection and, like, the thing is as well is Shepard and, and Shep life, I get so many people from other similar kind of towns. It's like a rural city where it's not quite big enough to be a city and not small enough to be, like, like Wagga mm-hmm. or Albury or something yeah. like that. Like, so many dudes hit me up who can identify with that story of, you know, that small town with the big attitude. The record Reclaim Australia, though, was almost looking outside of that town too. It was, yeah. it was a reflection of what's going on in the country at the moment. Yeah, that was a bigger that was a bigger project. Like Reclaim Australia was really um, what we thought was going to be career suicide. <laughs> <laughs> we thought, all right, we had enough fun. Now it's time to you know hang our hats and say goodbye and make the album we always wanted to make. And then everyone, you know. It got resounding love, and I was like, "Oh wow!" Well, yes, I'm not going anywhere for a minute. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> it didn't just get resounding love. You won the Australian Music Prize, and yeah. um, when you accepted that, you had your dad in the room as well, and it just seemed like such a proud moment, not only on a personal level, but just how significant it was being, you know, the first Indigenous act to win that award. Yeah. Is that kind of sunk in? Um, I, to be honest, like I really appreciate um, everyone. Who um, who voted for us, you know, on the panel, and Dave Faulkner and all that, like, who were just great supporters of the record. But like, I, I never, I never think too much about awards. It's just, it's not what I, 
you know, I never in the, I'm never in the studio like this is the song that's going to give <laughs> us the AMP. Yeah, you know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's always an afterthought, and it's uh, I think like the conversations I've had with Dave and Sose and and other people who are on the um, on the panel who who voted for us, uh, uh, you know, that's what really that's what I remember yeah. is is them talking about you know. The kind of impact that album had on them. Awards are always a, a pleasant, you know, bonus. Yeah. Mm. On that album, you talk about 26 January and its um, significance of Australia's colonial history. You've done a bunch of interviews about that. Do you feel like we may be reaching a tipping point on that with people's awareness of the significance of that? I mean, I was sort of amazed at how big the Invasion Day demo was this year and had this new kind of vibrancy and urgency to it. Yeah, Do you I'll- feel is there like a change happening? I think um, with you know the vocal, the vocal right, which is which is really coming back as well. It's like there was bound to be, you know, the left and and you know the advocates for change um, were going to be as if not more vocal um, around things like that. So I feel like it was just it was the right time to have a track. Like that, it was needed because it, it had never been said so, you know, brazen before. And it's you know, normally a song like that is is almost like could almost be pleading for people to mm. understand and empathize. And like, whereas this song is like smack them around and say, "What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Stop it!" <laughs> Sometimes it feels though in Australia we've just got two sides of an argument yelling at each other. Do you think there'll be a stage where that well, there'll be some middle ground? Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you would hope so. Yeah. You would hope so because, you know, discussion and and dialogue is, you know, where these things evolve and, and change and, you know, the understanding. But Do you um, have many people come up to you and just go, I want to talk to you about this track you wrote? Nah. Really? Nah, I don't, you know, to be honest, I don't look that approachable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very aware of how I look. You yeah. know. I've, got, I've got resting thug face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, yeah. so, you, you seem very nice. <laughs> I, yeah, that's the thing. I, I just look like this. Yeah. I just look like this. Like, I'm, I'm genuinely a happy kind of person. I just look like a thug. That's all. <laughs> I, I, it's just the way I look, man. I'm sorry, but, you know, I just look like a jerk. So <laughs> people don't normally come up and start chatting to me. <laughs> do, do you think, though, that there's a lot of talk now about um, some of the more symbolic issues about the colonial past, like Invasion Day, but also like constitutional change. But do you think that there's almost more of a focus on that than some of the... I don't know, deeper structural issues, say like Indigenous incarceration. You know, we saw the Dondale stuff yep. which, where the incarceration rate seems to be going through the roof. Or, or mm. I was struck the other day, no one talks much about land rights anymore. Yeah, I think it's a, um, it, it all feeds into... Um, each issue feeds into the other, whereas like constitutional recognition or treaty is like the top down. You know what I mean? Like we're the only... We're the only country that doesn't have a treaty with its, you know, First Nations people, which, you know, when you're standing up next to other countries, Canada or whatever, you know, 
you look like a bit of a goose. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, for for such a forward thinking, or a country that projects itself as forward thinking, we're so 1970s. You know yeah. what I mean? Like with with so many so many issues, and it's, it's so conservative in in that angle. But I feel like as long as you know we are driving the the dialogue in a healthy way, um, you know that's the best thing. As an artist myself, that's the best thing I can do at the moment is stay in my lane and talk about the things that I talk about and, you know, create a buzz around, you know, the other artists as well on my label. Mm. Do you think AB Original will make another record or well, have you guys said it, said what you've said now? Who knows, you know what I mean? If, if Guns N' Roses only did Appetite for Destruction, <laughs> that'd be enough. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that'd, be enough. Call, that'd be enough. Should, you know... Should we need to do another record when we have something to say? Yeah, because that—that was the thing about AB Original was there. This record was missing in the in the music spectrum of Australia. There was there was a piece that wasn't there, and um, we made that piece and and put it on the shelf there next to the other pieces. And um, you know, should we have to do that again? We will. Yeah, just don't make it Chinese democracy. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll do use your illusion. One and two. <laughs> I saw that um, you're supporting Body Count on their oh, yeah. Australian tour. Were they a band that was important to you? I mean, who were you listening to when you were growing up? Ice-T for sure. Ice Cube, Snoop. Body Count, massive. You know what I mean? They had everything a uh, young you know, male could want, guns and... Swearing, top <laughs> <laughs> killer and all that yeah. stuff. It was so dangerous and cool. You know what I mean? Like, there was no way that wasn't appealing to me as as a kid. They had their best merchandise. You know what I mean? They had that revolver, you know, t shirt. <laughs> it was right. so dope. You know, it's it like the, you know the t shirt that you can't wear to school and all that stuff. You know, and then like on TV, they were like, you know burning body count albums and running them over with steamrollers and stuff. I was like, yeah. That was the idea for AB, Reclaim Australia. I was like, oh, man, if we get someone to, like, steamroll our albums, that'd be so sick. (laughs) (laughs) And then they they gave us, like, you know, music prizes and... Well, not quite the steamroller, but... There's the justification for a yeah. next album then. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so tomorrow the... Um the event starts from 10, runs till dusk. What time did you, you said you were on at 11? Is that right? Yeah, I'm on at 11. Nice. Flagstaff Gardens. Yeah, Flagstaff Gardens, right. They're just, just, you know, smooth in, brunch, have a croissant. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole bunch of people playing. People should check out the website for the Urin Boy First Nations Arts Festival. But we've been talking to Briggs. Thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, man. You're a triple R. You're listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR.